Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. We are in James chapter 2, and we're talking about faith and deeds, or sometimes it's known as faith and works. And I'll just go back and take a look at James chapter 2, beginning of verse uh, um, actually, I don't want to look at that verse. Hold on. Um, that's actually coming later. I want to back up just a hair, and I want to look at this. This is James chapter 2, verse 14. We already read this, but I, there's a couple points I want to make. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Or you could say if someone claims to have faith but no works. Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action or deeds or works, is dead. So I I think the main point that James wants to say here is, There are a lot of people that intellectualize their faith and they say, well, I have faith. I have deep faith. I've got a faith of strong, strong faith. This would have been the Pharisees. This would have been people who lived in Jerusalem at the time of James. This would have been people who love to talk about how great their faith is, but they don't do anything with their faith. And I think that's the main person that James is discussing right now. Because if if you don't have works that go with your faith, what good is a strong faith? Now, we talked yesterday about how we have this image of a tree, that your faith is like the root system. And what people see is not the root system. They see the trunk. They see the leaves. They see the branches. And they see the fruit that the tree produces. And it is quite clear that you cannot have a big trunk producing lots of fruit and having lots of of leaves. You cannot produce that unless you have a strong faith. It's impossible. So one of the ways that you can see a person's faith, especially if they're doing lots of, of deeds and they have a strong trunk, and you know these people. These are people whom you go to in the middle of a crisis, that you look to for advice or or strength because you can just look at them and tell that they have a strong faith. Why? Because they're a big, strong trunk bearing lots of fruit. And you know these people in your life. And you just look at the outside because remember, nobody can see faith. Faith is below the surface. The only one that can truly see a person's faith is God. God looks with his x-ray eyes below the surface and he sees the incredible faith of someone. We can't dig down and look at the faith. All we can see is the outward appearance. And because, because faith and works work hand in hand, if you see somebody that says, oh, I've got a strong faith, but you look and they're this, you know, the littlest thing gets them down or they're not bearing any fruit or they just seem like a person that doesn't have a strong faith, you might say, I, I don't really see a lot of evidence of strong faith here. I, I really don't. Because all I see is this scrawny little branch that 
you have faith. There's no question about it. And you're growing in your faith, but it's not a huge, strong faith. The two go hand in hand. Now, I will admit that there are times in life when a catastrophic event happens above the surface and a person, for whatever reason, what you see on the surface is diminished or diminuated, but it's because of some external thing that maybe stripped the... Maybe the gardener has come and pruned the tree down, and so all you see is just this, you know, small tree. But you, but we know that the that the faith is there, and immediately after the next season, it blossoms into this huge tree again. That's almost what happens in my grapevine garden, where you cut down the grapes to this this trunk, and then the spring comes and the rains come, and all of a sudden life comes off of that thing, and it's like. How did this happen? Well, it happened because of the strong faith underneath the surface. That's what faith does. The two go hand in hand. And what what James is talking about is a brother or sister who's without clothes and daily food. There is somebody in your life that is in need of some of the fruit from your tree. And all you do is say, well, good, good Go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but uh, because that's the easy thing, right? That'd be easiest thing to say. Well, let somebody else take care of that. I'm I'm too busy to take care of that. It's like the pre the Pharisee and the Sadducee and the teacher of the law. Well, the Pharisee and the teacher of the law that go by the good Samaritan on the wayside, and it's like that's not my job. I'll let somebody else take care of that. And then you have the good Samaritan that comes along and picks the guy up and puts him on his mount and takes him to the nearest inn and feeds him and clothes him. That, my friends, is a sign of a deep faith. It's a sign of somebody who's willing to step out in faith and do something and risk. Why? Well, yeah, it helps out the Good Samaritan. But the bigger thing is, is that act of kindness actually grows the faith of the Samaritan. And part of the reason why the Samaritan does it is not just because he sees the person in need on the side of the road. Part of the reason why the Samaritan does this is because a Samaritan, this person knows that by doing so, by risking some of his time, some of his treasure, some of his talent, uh, being ridiculed, losing, losing time, losing money or whatever, that God, through that process, will grow his faith. Because that's what faith is. Faith is faith. Faith doesn't happen just by overnight. Faith only grows when you step out in faith and trust in the one that gives you the faith. I will give you another example. Holy Scripture tells us things that we're to do. It's as clear as can be that there are things in Scripture that Jesus says these are things you must do. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. Those are two big commandments. Well, what does loving your neighbor mean? Wow, Jesus gives a lot of examples. And Jesus performed a lot of examples. Turning the other cheek. If somebody asks for your cloak, give him your shirt also. Things that by the world's standards don't make any sense whatsoever. And yet Jesus says these are the things you need to do. So what do you do? You take a step of faith and you do it. And you see what the results are of doing that. And all of a sudden, 
you realize the blessings and the benefits of doing such a thing. And it may have been a very, very difficult thing, and it may have required faith to step out and do that. And yet we do it, and we see the blessings that ensue. One of the things that Jesus talked about all the time was money, the the gifts that God gives us. And those are hard to get rid of. It's hard to get... Unless you see a greater good and a greater purpose in the kingdom, it is hard to simply give away things that belong to you. And money is just one of the ones that Jesus talked about all the time. And yet, if you are faithful, if if you learn how to if you learn how to to handle the one of the most basic elements in your life, which is money, like how much is coming in, how much is going, how much is going out. If you learn how to be faithful in that, it will impact every other aspect of your life because you'll see life in a whole different way. Now, the Old Testament had a percentage. The New Testament, Jesus fulfilled that. We talk about in our church how it's a sacrificial, it is intentional, and it's proportional. That if you really Look at the blessings that God has given you, and you give some part of part of those blessings back uh, for service of the kingdom. And it's not even necessarily in services in the kingdom. The whole purpose of this is to build your faith, to take that step of faith and see what would happen. What would happen if I did, if I gave this amount of of my of my funds to this particular thing? Is God going to bless? find some way to grow my faith and in so doing that am I going to see a blessing in that and time after time after time after time after time again you talk to people who have made those steps of faith and they're like man I don't know why I didn't do that sooner because it was such a wonderful thing now if you've been doing that years and years and years that's great but the hard thing is to is to capture somebody's heart early on in life and to to help them arrange their life so that they can give a percentage of what God has given them back to God. And those are, you will meet a lot of, lot, a lot of people who just don't do that. And it sets them up for a whole lot of failure later on in life. And that's unfortunate. It's not just about, it's just not about money. It's about every aspect of your life. There are a lot of things that God says, if you do this, you will be blessed. Ways that you live your life, peaceable ways, fruits of the spirit, all the things contained in scripture truly are things that God has called us to do because he wants us to live an abundant life. And so some of these things, like not coveting your neighbor's stuff. It seems like such a, a crazy thing. And yes, it is one of the Ten Commandments. So it's high up there. Like loving your neighbor is not coveting your neighbor's stuff. Loving God is not coveting your neighbor's stuff. But it takes, it takes a step of faith to do that. At some level, you have to look at your life and be content with the things that God has given you. Whatever gifts those are. And I'm not even talking about necessarily monetary things. I'm talking about your personality, your, your giftedness, the skills that you have, the, 
the way you look, the, the, the way that God created you, the, the default, the, the, like, if you look at me, I've got one eye that's dramatically lower than another eye. You probably would never even notice that about you. But if I'll look at a picture of me and I'm like, hmm, and I just notice that I, I so sometimes I'll wear glasses and you can't see it as bad, right? But that's the way God created me. And I'm happy about that because that's who I am. That's, that's, that is a gift that God has given me. I can kind of do 3D in a different direction. Um, but, but all sorts of things. There are people born with all sorts of things that are not like their neighbor. And you can spend a lot of time being upset about the fact that you don't have what your neighbor has. And it can cause you all sorts of stress. Or you can simply rejoice in the what and the things that God has given you and the way that God has created you and the gifting that God has given you and say, this is what God's given me and I'll use it to the best of my ability in service to the kingdom and to God and to the world around me, but this is just who I am. And looking at your neighbor and always comparing yourself to the neighbor is not a healthy way to live your life. How about you look to God and rejoice in the way that God has created you. That is a step of faith. And that is a way that grows your tree trunk. Now, another thing I want to talk about of faith is what are the things that we do put our faith in? And how reliable are they? Because one of the things that you will always hear, especially from scientists, is, is um, th- th- that, that faith that Christian faith and science are at odds with each other. And there are people that deny science because of Christianity. And they need to stop doing that because science is clear, science is settled, science has the scientific method. And if you put your faith at a higher pedestal than science, you're a stupid idiot. Now you will hear this periodically, particularly from people Uh, who have no faith whatsoever, and they put all their faith in science. Well, let me just ask you this question. Well, I'll I'll start out with this question, but I want to dive deeper into it. How's science working for the pandemic right now? Because if science was so perfect, we would have come up with a way to prevent the hundreds of thousands of deaths that we've seen in the United States and the millions of deaths we've seen across the world. How's science working for us? Now, I will admit that science is great, that we have found a vaccine and that we are rapidly progressing towards towards immunizing everybody against this pandemic. But that doesn't mean that there haven't been a lot of people that have died because of this pandemic. There have been a lot of people that have died alone in the hospital because of this pandemic. And when you have somebody die alone in the hospital, if somebody that you love, how does science help you there? Or is there some other source of faith that we must draw upon to help us through those challenging times? Science is not perfect. The scientific method is pretty good. I will admit that. And the scientific method has helped us tremendously. And I am by training a scientist at some level, or at least an engineer at some level. 
So I love science. I really, really, really do love science. But science can't answer all the big questions in life. It can only answer some of the questions in life. And like the big questions of life, science falls short. It cannot answer them. And if you believe scripture, science will not answer them because God always leaves room for faith. He has created a world that is so complicated and so immense that at some level you have to have faith in something else other than science. So for me, it's faith in the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus who came, lived, and died, rose again. That's a faith statement. And that his words and the scripture that he was a part of will guide and direct my life. And I have faith in that. And that is, that is eternal and unchanging. And if you believe God's word, it is something that is a high standard, almost a, a perfect standard that you can say, this is something I can trust. It is a faith in something that will never let me down, ever. And so I'm going to, I'm going to strengthen that part of my life. I'm going to use those faith tools to strengthen my, that part of my life so that when science fails me, I have something else that I can hang on to to get me through the tough times of life. I mean, that's just simply the way it is. And I think this pandemic is a whole lot easier to get through if you've got a strong faith in something other than science. And I think if you've 100% put your faith in science, experts, people that are part of the brokenness of the world, at some level, they will fail you. And my prayer is, is that it doesn't destroy you when they do fail you. I, I, that is my prayer because they will always fail. No matter who is president of the United States, you know, past, present, or future, they will not make the best decisions. They will make pretty good decisions and hopefully they've surrounded themselves with enough people to, you know, pursue what happens if we do this and this and this and this. But at some level, they have to rely on people who are sinful people, who are broken people, who who will make bad decisions. I've been, I've enjoyed listening to Dr. Fauci and is it Bricks um, and some of the other people who are with all these institutes of health and all that sort of thing. And we trust that they know what they're doing and that they've studied this stuff and, and, and put their whole heart and soul and life into making a career out of studying these things and that they're making the best decisions, but they're not going to make perfect decisions. They can't. They're imperfect people. And so at some level, they're, they know that there is no perfect decision. So they're making the best decisions that they have based upon the information that they have. And they're trying to keep as many people safe. But if you've ever worked with a lawyer, which I have, lawyers always want to reduce the risk to zero. So they'll tell you to do stuff. And it's like, nope, not going to do that. I understand what you're saying, but nope, not going to do that. Um, because a lawyer only sees one side of the issue and doesn't understand the whole part of the issue. And so they're only making recommendations. And sometimes you even have to go against your lawyer and say, no, I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to do this thing because to not do so would be even more of a catastrophic risk. I mean, life is balancing the risks, right? And this is part of coming out of this pandemic is people are going to have to say, 
all right, I've been vaccinated or I'm young enough where I don't need to get vaccinated and I probably am not going to die from this disease. You know, at some point, uh, how am I going to start interacting with society? Here's another thing of faith. You know, the vaccine is only 95% efficacious. Now that's pretty darn good. But if you take the vaccine, are you willing to take a 5% risk chance that you won't get this disease and that if you do get the disease, that it won't kill you? And I imagine there are people out there who's like, yep, I'll take a 5% risk of this thing, no problem. But there will be other people who will probably never go outside until they're 100% sure that they're going to, that, you know, there's enough people vaccinated or whatever. They've got better treatments or whatever. And these, these are people that, that probably could use a little bit more faith in something outside of science because there's nothing that's 100% sure in life. And no matter how hard we've tried, we have not, the death rate in the United States is still the same. It's one per person. And that means we're all at some point going to die at some point. And it may be next week. It may be next month. It may be next year. It may be years in the future. I don't know. But all the science in the world can't protect you against that. Death is inevitable. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, okay, I'm going to die at some point. What am I going to do with the gifts that God has given me? And how am I going to use the life that God has given me? And does God really want me to do, you know, at what point does God want me to risk death to go outside and be his hands and feet in the world? I mean, that's basically, that's basically what it is. And if you have been a person that has grown your faith, which I think probably a lot of you, almost all of you, everybody, if you're listening to this study, it's your person who's growing your faith. There's no question about it. Then God will, will hold your hand in the dark times. And God will hold your hand in the middle of pandemics. And God will hold your hand when science doesn't necessarily give you all the answers. And for that, I am so grateful. I love, don't get me wrong, I love science. No question about it. But I love God more. I love his word more. I love Jesus a whole lot more than any scientist that has ever lived. Because he gives words that give life, that sustain us. They give us hope, they give us peace, they give us joy. Jesus truly is the reason for this season. All right, I think I'll close there and um, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, thank you for continuing to grow my faith. Help me to use the faith that you've given me to step out even more in faith and to be your hands and feet in a world that needs to grow in their faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.